And today we're looking at Jonah. You know, saying yes to the Lord. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you want things added to your life that are good? Amen. How many of you want to be uh, healed, whole, have, a, have, have good things added to your life? Hmm? You know one good way to have to start those things that work in your life? Two words. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. As we get to know our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, as we get to know the Word of the living God, as we read it and meditate on it and receive it, as we say, yes, Lord, things begin to change in our lives. Things begin to happen. Amen. As we read the word, if we remain silent or we start saying, well, I don't know about that, Lord, or I just can't do that, Lord. Well, we're just putting hindrances in our own pathway. All we need to do is say, I might not understand this, but yes, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, say with me. Yes, Lord. Was that hard? Do it one more time. Yes, Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 You see, when we begin to say, yes, Lord, as, as God speaks to us, as God shows us things in his word, as we begin to take hold of the truths of God's word, when we start saying, yes, Lord, meaning it, yes, Lord, things begin to happen. We start going onto higher ground. We start, God starts to bring us into where we start entering into a deeper relationship with the Lord. Every time we say, yes, Lord, we're, get, we're going deeper in our relationship with God. That's going on to higher ground. Every time we say, yes, Lord, God is able to do a deeper work in our lives. When we say, yes, Lord, that's going to higher ground when God can do a deeper work in your life. I want God, he's not done with me. I want God to work in my life more and more. Lord, yes, Lord, work your work in my life. And God can dig deeper and do more in each of our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. And as we begin to say, yes, Lord, God is able to transform us even more. We're born again. We're, we're new creations in Christ. But there's a transformation beyond that that takes place in our lives. And it's a holy transformation. It's a holy thing happening in us. We're being sanctified, set apart for the glory of God. And every time we say, yes, Lord, we're allowing that transformation of our lives to continue being onward and upward. Amen? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of God and he will lift you up. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. And God will begin to lift you up. I want to look at the gospel. Uh, well, first, well, I want to go to the gospel of Matthew chapter 12. Well, I know we're going to the book of Jonah, but I want to start at Matthew chapter 12 this morning, verses 38 to 41. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 41. Praise the Lord. Matthew 12, 38 to 41. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answering, saying, Teacher, 
We want to, they're talking to Jesus. Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And Jesus answered them, and he said, an, ev an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jesus himself was saying, you want a sign? The sign has already been given in the prophet Jonah. He said, for as Jonah, listen to what Jesus says. These are the words of Jesus. How many of you believe the words of Jesus? Amen? Do you believe all the words of Jesus or just some of them? All the words of Jesus. Amen? Jesus said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I brought that verse out because Jesus himself was saying that just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, hallelujah, People say, I can't believe that story about Jonah getting swallowed by a whale, getting swallowed by a big fish or whatever it was. How could that be? I, that's, that, doesn't make, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute rationally. I don't see how to... Well, we might not be able to understand it in our own rationale, but that's what God works in the supernatural. He, he works in the realm beyond what we can comprehend. Amen? If God only operated in the rational, would he be God? But God, Jesus himself, said, just as Jonah was three days in the belly, well, then i got to believe the book of Jonah. If the book of Jonah says he was in the belly of the whale for, or the great fish for three days and three nights, I believe it. I might not understand it, I might not comprehend it all, but I believe it because Jesus declared it to be true. Amen? And he says, just as Jonah was three nights, uh, three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. So will, the, so will he, Jesus, be three days and three nights in the earth. How many of you know Jesus was crucified for your sins and mine? He broke, his body was broken, his blood was shed, that our sins be forgiven and washed away. How many of you believe that Jesus has washed away your sin, bore your sin on Calvary? And it says he would be three days and three nights but then what would happen on the third day, the stone would roll away and there would be Jesus, a risen Savior and Lord, conqueror of, of, of death. He has the keys of life and death in his hand. He says, this is the sign, my resurrection, that I rose from the dead. If you don't believe anything else, if you don't believe that I rose from the dead, nothing else is going to convince you to believe in me. Listen, if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, I don't care how many miracles you see. I don't care what you experience in your life. If you don't believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day, what are you believing in? A sign, a wonder, a miracle? It all points to Jesus risen from the dead. Hallelujah. We serve a risen Lord. That's why we say, yes, Lord, you live. Take me up to higher ground in the resurrection life and resurrection power of Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said, you people are seeking after signs and wonders, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. And as we see that Jesus rose from the dead, 
we need to look nowhere else but believe that Jesus was crucified. Christ was crucified. He died, was buried, and on the third day rose again. That's where our faith lies. That's where our hope is in Jesus risen from the dead. But Jesus says, learn a lesson from Jonah. Well, let's go to the book of Jonah and learn something from Jonah. Hallelujah. The book of Jonah is not so much a book about prophecy, but it's, it's a story of a man, Jonah, who is a prophet of God. Whoa, wouldn't it be great to be a prophet of God? Well, I, listen, as a new creation being born again through Christ Jesus, you have the living word of God in you. We're not to seek after titles or different things. We're to seek after the living God. And his word should be a fire burning within us. That should be our joy, our satisfaction. And whatever God speaks to us and leads us, that is where we need to go. We need not need to be seeking after titles or positions, but we need to be seeking after Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen? But Jonah was a prophet of, of the Lord. And Jonah was reluctant. You see, God spoke to Jonah. Oh, don't we want God to speak to our hearts? We say yes and amen. Oh, yeah, we say it like, oh, I want God to speak to me. Well, Jonah prayed that prayer too. God, speak to me. I'm your servant, Lord. I'm obeying you. And God spoke to Jonah. Yeah, he did. God spoke to Jonah. But as we're going to see, Jonah was reluctant to do what God spoke to him and told him to do. He even complained when he saw that what God asked him to do, and he did, he saw the results, and he wasn't happy with the results that he saw, and he complained to God. What kind of prophet is that? Well, maybe what we see in Jonah, if we look in the mirror, we might, be able, we might begin to see some things in ourselves that we might say, uh-oh, I need to make adjustments here. I might, I mean, need to change a little something. Now, Jonah was a prophet of God. He loved the Lord. How many of you love the Lord? Jonah chapter 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Now rise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and it was founded by Nimrod, and it, was, it, wasn't, so, it wasn't too far. Uh, well, it was northwest of the city of Baghdad, to give you some kind of idea where it was. But Nineveh being the capital of Assyria, the Assyrians, or the, or the Assyrian people, they were noted for their cruelty, and especially the prisoners. They had no mercy on anyone whether it be children, adults, seniors, they had no mercy. That was basically their motto, no mercy on anyone. And they were noted for this in the, in the, in the history books. 
God forbid you were taken captive by the Assyrians, you, there was nothing good in, in sight for you. They were cruel, merciless, and no, everyone feared being taken into the hands of the Assyrians. And it was well known. It was no mystery. The Assyrians, they were a cruel, vicious people. They would kill you in an instant, torture you, and be laughing about it. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go and cry to Nineveh. Now Jonah knows the Lord. He knows that God, when he wants me to go cry or, or speak to the people, God has a purpose and a plan for it. If God wanted to destroy them, he could have just sent lightning bolts and bang, boom, it would have been done and over with. There's no need for Jonah to go. But Jonah knew inside that God is a God of compassion and a God of mercy who will have mercy even on those who have no mercy. And Jonah was saying, Lord, I don't want to go to those people. They are the most cruel and vicious people on the face of this earth. And I don't want to see them. I don't want to see any good come to them. I just want to see you torment them. And, ah, Lord. Is that how God wants us to look at people? God wants us to look at people, human beings, through the eyes of Christ. To see people through love and compassion and mercy. And understand that people behave in wicked ways and do different things because they don't have the love of God. They don't know the love of God in their lives. But they can be changed. I was changed. How about you? Were you transformed and changed when God revealed his son and you received him into your heart? You know, Nineveh, God knows the hearts of people. We see the outside, but God sees the inward. God knows when a heart is ready to be saved or, or to receive the gospel. I've seen some of the hardest looking men. People were afraid to approach them. Oh, I don't like the way he looks. He looks scary. On the outside, maybe they look scary. But on the inside, God knows what's going on in the heart. And sometimes the biggest and the most hardest looking are the ones that, that come and fall the quickest and serve God with the greatest passion. Like a doctor going to the sick and the dying. Jonah, go, cry to Nineveh. Because they were truly sick in spirit. They were truly dead spiritually. And they were going to die for eternity unless they repented. And God says, Jonah, go and cry out against them. Repentance. How many times have you heard me say this? Repentance is a doorway to blessing and healing and wholeness. Repentance opens a whole new doorway. Repentance opens a doorway to new life with God in Christ Jesus, doesn't it? And God cares about those people who are living lives, ungodly lives and, and, and unrighteousness. God cares about them because it tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, 9, that it is God's will that none perish, but all that all come to repentance. That's what it says in the word of God. God doesn't want to see people perish. God wants them to repent. The Bible says, while we were enemies with God, God loved us. 
Hey, listen, you were an enemy with God. Before you came to Jesus Christ, the Bible says we were enemies with God. And while we were enemies with God, he still loved us. God didn't love you because you loved him. His banner over us is love. And God's will is that none perish. And he says, Jonah, go and cry out to them. God just expected a yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, wasn't it wonderful if God speaks to me? If God speaks to me, I'm going to say, yes, Lord. Oh, I'll be so, yeah. What? What? Uh, say that again, Lord. Go where? Do what? I'm going to, I'm going to, uh. You know, we think, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if God speaks to my heart today? It is wonderful when God speaks here. It is. But something happened inside Jonah when God says, go to Nineveh. Go to these cruel and wicked people. Go to these vicious ones and cry out to them. That was God's plan for Jonah. God says, Jonah, Lord, I love you, but I can't say yes, Lord, to this. So what did Jonah do? Instead of following God's plan, Jonah came up with his own plan. Really? Really? Are our plans better than God's plans? Oh, Jonah. Sometimes we try to make plans, our own plans, for our life. We want to do things the way we plan things to go for me, for my, for you, for me, for we, for who. You know, Jonah might say, you know, listen, this, this, this is, you know, I can't do this. I'm, I'm a man of God. I can't go to a heathen nation. I can't, I can't do this. They're, 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 they practice idolatry. They're, they're, they're a nation that kills people. I can't do this. In verse 3, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. People are seeking after. So many people throughout the scriptures seek one thing. David said, one thing I desire, that I seek after. Oh, to be in the presence, of paraphrase, to be in the presence of the Lord. One thing we desire when we come on a Sunday is to get into the presence of God and praise Him and worship Him. That should be the desire of every individual who loves God, is to seek the presence of God, to be in the presence of God. Amen? Is, is that a good place to be in the presence of God? Jonah was a prophet of God. He loved, he knew the Word of God. He knew God's Word. But what does it say? God spoke to him, and he decided that he was going to make a plan to flee from the presence of God. He's supposed to be a prophet of God, a man of God. Do you really think, Jonah, that you can flee from the presence of God? 
Do any of us here today think we can flee or hide from the presence of God? Come on, Jonah. Like when you're reading this, you want to say, Jonah, wake up. What are you doing, man? You can't flee from the presence of God. But that makes us understand all the more that God is with us 24-7. We, never, we are never outside the presence of God. And so he says he went to Joppa and he tried to get on a ship to go to Tarshish, which was the total opposite direction of Nineveh. God, you want me to go this way? I'm going this way. Oh, what a great prophet of God. What a great man of God. Hallelujah. Heard from God and now he's trying to run away from God. You know, we laugh. It sounds funny. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. Genesis 3, 8 and 10. Adam and Eve, they tried to hide from the presence of God. But they didn't succeed, did they? God came and said, where are you? But... Not in a question like, I can't find you. He knew where they were. Jeremiah 23, verses 24 to 27. Can anyone, the word says, can anyone hide himself in a secret place so I shall not see him, says the Lord? God makes clear we cannot run from the presence of God. He's everywhere. We can't pull the sheets over our head and God think God can't see us until we peek. And so as we live for God, that's why when God speaks to us, we have no alternative but to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Saying yes, Lord, is a good thing. Hello? It's a good thing. In the natural, we might not understand it. Why do you want me to go to Nineveh? Why do you want me to preach to those wicked people? I can't understand it. I can't comprehend it. So I'm not going. Jonah became indifferent to the fear of the Lord. In Jonah 1, 9, Jonah himself says after they woke him up during a storm, he got on the boat going to Tarsus and, and God created a huge storm. And these, these, these sailors that were on that boat, these, those, those, those crew and all, they, they were experienced seamen. They, they've been through storms. But they knew that this storm wasn't a normal storm. This was something supernatural here that was happening. And they were afraid. The Bible says even the sailors were afraid. But Jonah went down into the bottom of the ship and fell asleep. He knew. Do you think he didn't know that, that God was, was in control of the, the storm? 
You see, Jonah says by his words, oh, I fear the Lord. But by his actions, as we're going to see, he truly didn't in his heart fear the Lord. It's not what we say with our mouth. It's what we do. How our actions and attitudes affect everything that we do. You tell a tree by its fruit. It's easy to say something with your mouth. Words are easy to push out. But actions and attitudes are seen that show that you are doing what you said you believe or you're not doing what you said you believe. And here, this storm was raging outside. And, these, and the Bible says that, that the whole crew, they were, they were a, mixed, a mixed crew. And it says they were praying to their gods to do something and nothing was happening. Their gods were not responding because there's only one God, right? But they were crying out to their little Jesus, little God, saying, help us, save us. And nothing worked. And then they said, aha, let's go down. And he went down and he shook him up. And he said, Jonah, what are you doing sleeping? Don't you know we're about to die? Get up and start praying to your God and ungodly men had to go tell Jonah to start praying to your God. It's pathetic when an ungodly person comes to you and says, why aren't you praying to your God? Should anyone come to you and says, how come you don't pray? Don't you see the situations? Why aren't you praying? You see, Jonah didn't care about the ship. He didn't care about the people on the ship. All he was concerned about was himself, and he was not going to do what God told him to do. And he didn't care about... Do we care about the lives of the people around us? Do we care about the situation? You see, all your actions and attitudes affect the world around you. And his disobedience, he's a man of God, but his disobedience to the God had an actual effect on people around him. Jonah said, unless God does things my way, I'm not going to do it at all. And he fell asleep. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance. Jonah was filled with pride and arrogance. Lord, if you don't do it my way, I'm not doing it. I, you don't, I don't want to go there, so leave me alone. What arrogance to tell God, I'm not, I don't want to do what you told me to do. I just don't feel like doing it. Is that, how many of you would say that to God? Jonah was a prophet of God. He's not, he was not a heathen. He's a prophet of God, and he says, Lord, I don't, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to do what you said to do. Pride, arrogance, bitterness. There's a, something in Jonah's heart that is not good. Every time we say no to God and not want to do what God wants us to do, when God shows us to do something in his word, like love your neighbor, I don't want to love that neighbor, Lord. You don't know what that neighbor did to me. You don't know what that neighbor is doing to me. 
I don't want to love them. That's an attitude of Jonah. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is this. There's things that are parted to us and things that are obtained when we go to higher ground. When we have a, a reverent fear of the Lord, we start to go onto higher ground. It says the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9.10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 10.27, do a study on the fear of the Lord. It's not going to make you afraid of God, but it's going to give you a reverence for His holiness and it's going to make you want to say, yes, Lord. It makes us think differently before we say, I don't know, Lord, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if that's right. If God said it, it's right. If God said it, it's good. If God calls us to do something, it is right to do it. It says the fear of the Lord prolongs days. How many of you like to live a long life? The Bible says if we fear the Lord, he will prolong. It says the fear of the Lord prolongs your life, prolongs your days. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is a place of refuge. That's going to higher ground. Getting confident, getting into a place of refuge, that is a higher ground. It says the fear of the Lord, listen to this, is a fountain of life and it turns one's away from the snares of death. Do a study on the fear of the Lord and see what it promises. That if you have a fear of the Lord and you have that in your heart, there are things where God will place you on higher ground. He will give you wisdom and knowledge and understanding. He'll prolong your days. It says it's a fountain of life. And it says it will turn you away from the snares of death. Death is always trying to catch you somehow, some way. But if I have a fear of the Lord in my heart, in my spirit, God will keep me, the Bible says, from the snares of death. And it says the fear of the Lord causes one to depart from evil. There's too many so-called believers that are in things of the world that, is, that, are, that are just that outright evil. Because there's no fear of the Lord in their life. The devil gets into the, into the so-called churches... And just as all you need to know and believe is that God loves you and that's it, period. Whatever you do, God loves you. God is a holy God. God is a righteous God. God is a God. He's the righteous judge of all the earth. And God says a fear of the Lord will cause you to depart from evil and stay away from it. The Bible says the fear of the Lord will will put inside you a desire to live right, to live holy. We're not perfect, but God will help us to live righteous lifestyles in the sight and hearing of God. And it says the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Hallelujah. How many of you want riches, honor, and life? The Bible says, well, then have a fear, uh, a reverent fear of the Lord. We don't, it's not this type of fear. 
It's a reverent fear of the Lord. He's holy. I just can't do whatever I desire to do that violates his word and expect God to love me. No, God loves me, but he expects me to change my life, change the way I walk, change the way I talk, change the way I think, change the way I speak. Fear of the Lord makes me say, yes, Lord. Even the ungodly knew that Jonah was not saying, yes, Lord. They knew, Jonah, you need to start praying and calling upon your God. Here's what they says. In verse 6 of chapter 1, so the captain approached him. The captain of the ship approached him and said, how is it? How can it be that you're asleep? Get up and call upon your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. They were going to Jonah and saying, Is your God concerned about us that we will not perish? The answer, of course, was yes. God is concerned about you. God wants none to perish. Did Jonah care about them? Here the ungodly are saying, does your God care about me? Why aren't you praying for us? This is what the captain said. Why aren't you praying for us? That we might know that your God cares for us. We prayed to these other gods and none of them answered. They can't do a thing. Can your God do something? Does your God care for us? Jonah was so self-centered, so self-righteous, so afraid to do what God asked him to do, that all of that stuff, self-centeredness, self-righteousness, fear drives us away from God, not to God. And so Jonah says, yeah, uh, uh, listen, he says, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew and, and I'm one who fears the Lord. Yeah, really? I'm, I'm one who fears, and I'm guilty, I'm responsible for all of this. Uh, so, uh, so they said, well, tell us, what do we, what do we need to do to, for God to calm the storm? And Jonah says, well, I'm, I'm the source of the problem, just throw me overboard. And they said, what? He said, throw me overboard. Well, all they had to do was get him and throw him overboard, if that's what, they, what he said. But you know what they did? You know what the captain and the crew did? They said, Jonah, we, we, that's too cruel. We just can't do that. They had compassion on Jonah, where Jonah had no compassion on them. Yet the ungodly was showing compassion on Jonah. And they says. No, we can't throw you overboard. You'll die. So the Bible says they tried to row to shore and the storm got worse. So they couldn't do it. So that was it. They were now, they tried to save Jonah. Did Jonah try to save them? It was about Jonah. Everything was about Jonah. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. And when everything is about you, you lose focus of the love and compassion and mercy that God wants on the people around your life. And it all was about Jonah. 
And so when they, when they wanted to rescue Jonah, they wanted to save him. They didn't want to see him die. And so they said, well, there's no other option. And they prayed before they, listen to this, the ungodly prayed to, to Jonah's God before, before they threw him over. They said, Lord, don't let this man's blood be on our hands. If he disobeyed you, that's between you and... But please don't let this blood be upon our hands. Forgive us. They were calling to God for mercy. The ungodly. And Jonah was just standing there like, come on, when you're ready, just throw me over. You think Jonah recalled on God and said, forgive me, Lord. A guy's turned his ship around. We're going to Tarsus. I mean, we're going to Nineveh. If he had said that, the storm would have stopped. God would have got him where he was. Those men would have knew that. But what did Jonah say? He, okay, when you're done praying, just throw me overboard. Who cares what happens to you guys? They had more compassion and mercy on Jonah than Jonah had for them. Is that how God wants us to live? Is that how God wants our attitudes and actions to be? Is that how God wants the world to look at us as people who just don't really give a darn? And so they threw him overboard. But then it says after that, the, 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 the sea calmed and they knew that the God of Jonah was the God of heaven and earth. And it says they made vows. They made sacrifices to him and made vows to God. They repented. But Jonah, he was still running from the presence of God, still saying, no, Lord. You'd think he would say, yes, Lord. The sailors, the captain of the ship said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, you're Lord, yes. The whole ship got saved, but Jonah's trying to swim away from the presence of God. He didn't care about what was taking place up there, but God cared about their lives. And then when Jonah finally gets spit up out of the whale, he's, he's, in the, he's in the belly of the whale, and he still does not repent. But he says, okay, all right, I'll go to Nineveh. He finally says yes to go to Nineveh. But not once does Jonah repent from running from God. He still is not wanting to do it in the heart, but he says it with his mouth. Okay, all right, I'll go. And so he goes, the whale spits him up, it says, he goes on and he gets over to Nineveh and he goes through to Nineveh and he starts crying, 40 days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed, 40 days and that's the end of Nineveh. And he was just hoping that at the end of 40 days they would be destroyed. He was just waiting for that, that day when he could sit back and watch, whoa, this is going to be so good watching Nineveh get wiped out, man. That's not God's plan. God didn't want to see them wiped out. God knew that their hearts were right. And God said, go and cry out to this wicked generation. Go, cry out to those who have no mercy. And it says, Jonah went to the streets of Nineveh and he cried out. And it says, they, in chapter 3, it says, they repented earnestly. The king and everyone. They said, put on sackcloth and ashes, and nobody's going to eat. We're going to fast for 40 days, and nobody's going to eat. And they started to cry out to the Lord. Jonah didn't like that. Oh, no, you can't have mercy on these people. Oh, no, 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 Lord. Ah, uh, no, what are you guys doing? You're repenting in sackcloth and ashes. Oh, no, this isn't good. God's saying it's wonderful. 
But in the natural, Jonah was saying, this ain't good. I, I, I want to see them get their due. If we all got our due, It says that they repented earnestly. They repented earnestly. And God's word says that if anyone calls upon his name and repents, God will have mercy and God will forgive because God is not willing that any should perish. Listen to what he says, what God says in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 7 to 10. You see, when we hear the word of God, we must respond. There must be a response when you hear God's word. We cannot hear God's word and do nothing. Whenever we hear God's word, whether it be in Sunday school, whether it be in Sunday service, whether you're at home reading the word of God, we must respond. And hopefully we respond by saying, yes, Lord change me. Yes, Lord, I need to let this go. Yes, Lord, I need to start doing this differently. Yes, Lord, I need to make adjustments in my life. Yes, we must respond. And every time, you know, I used to remember growing up in the Lord when altar calls were given. People did not respond. Some respond. Some did not respond. Ah, I'll wait till next time. There might be no next time. Jeremiah chapter 18 says this. Here's what the word of the Lord says. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down and to destroy it. The instant I speak it. If that nation whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. God says the instant I speak it. That's why he said, go, Jonah, and cry against Nineveh. Because they're they're doomed. There's disaster. But if they repent, I will relent. And Jonah said, don't relent, Lord. Come on. But in verse 9 of that same chapter of Jeremiah, it says, and the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it and to plant it, if they do evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will stop doing the good that I did it. You see, we think that once we hear God's word, that's it. Once we're born again, that's it. God just has to do good to us. The Bible said if we stop obeying his voice, Jonah stopped obeying the voice of the Lord. That's why every day that we live, every breath we breathe, every day God gives us, we need to say, yes, Lord, I want to be obedient to your word. I want to follow and walk with you. And God will continue to build you and grow you and add good things. But the Bible says, if we stop obeying, God will pull back and stop doing and adding to our lives. He doesn't stop loving you. He doesn't stop caring about you. He doesn't stop wanting to pour blessings on you. He doesn't want to stop leading and guiding you. But if we stop obeying him, that's like putting a stop sign up in front of God saying, 
Hold everything, God. Put your work on hold in my life. And God would love to pull that stop sign and throw it away. But God forces nothing upon us. Everything we do is by choice, willing choice. And God says, go into Nineveh. And he preached to Nineveh, and Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes. And the Bible says that God stopped the judgment. And it says that they began to serve God and to worship God. Here is a people who were once a people of no mercy. Once a people that everyone feared. Well, you remember Paul, Saul, who became Paul. Saul was a terrorist. Saul was going around persecuting and killing Christians. Everyone feared him. Nobody wanted to see Paul, Saul saved. They wanted to see Saul, ah, hey, you know, he persecuted Christians. He had them killed. Saul got converted. Now he's saved. Now he's Paul. And people were mad that Paul got saved. People were mad that Nineveh got saved. When you look in the world around you today, you see cruel, vicious people. Are we praying for them to repent? Are we praying, Lord, oh, touch their hearts that they will repent and be saved? Or are we saying, Lord, just open the doors and send them straight to hell? People pray that. But we've got to say, Lord, touch their hearts, do a work, send people around them, Lord God, that they may repent and call upon your name and be saved. The vilest of sinners we need to be praying for. Horrific crimes they may have committed, but we need to be praying, Lord, find a way to touch their hearts to save them. They face eternal damnation. Find a way to save them. The men on the ship repented. Nineveh repented. And they both found blessing and found the Lord at work. But Jonah never, the prophet of God, Jonah never repented. You read through the Jonah, the four chapters, you never see Jonah repenting for not wanting to do what the Lord. There was bitterness and anger in Jonah's heart. He wanted God to do things his way. I don't like what you're doing, he said to God. At the end, Jonah says, I, was, I knew you were going to do this and I didn't want you to do it. That's us. Not just Jonah. We just can't look at Jonah. We want God to do things our way. Otherwise, we start saying, oh, that's the devil speaking. That's not God. Um... We try to find excuses for not doing what we hear a voice telling us to do, the voice of the Lord. And if it doesn't make us happy, if we don't feel good about it, oh, I don't feel good about it, so it can't be the Lord. Well, when God speaks, it doesn't necessarily feel good. Truth doesn't necessarily feel good. Truth is not about feelings. Truth is truth. Jonah didn't feel like going to Nineveh, but was that right? We don't live by feelings. We don't live by emotion. 
We live by the truth of God's word saying, yes, Lord. The Bible tells us cease from anger. It causes harm to us. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that anger, don't be quick to anger, be angry in your spirit. It says because anger rests in the heart or the bosom of fools. And in Colossians and Ephesians it says put away anger, bitterness, wrath, malice, all that stuff. And so what I'm trying to say today is like Jonah. Jonah was more concerned about himself, his feelings, and his way than he was about the way of God. And so we've got to put our feelings and emotions aside sometimes and say, Lord, uh, not what it feels like. Uh, if your word says it, I want to live it. If your word says it, I want to obey it. Yes, Lord. Two little words. Yes, Lord. Jonah never got to that point of saying, yes, Lord. And the one time he did, it was with reluctance. It was like, okay, I'll do this, but I don't want to do it. And so is wanting, you see, when we come up with a my way or no way, we're doing it the devil's way or the world's way or today's way. My way or no way. If it doesn't feel good to me, I'm not going to do it. If I don't think it sounds right, I'm not going to do it. Only if it makes me feel warm and fuzzy and cuddly and all good, I'll do it. But that's the devil's trying way. God's way, the higher way, the way of higher ground is saying, yes, Lord. I might not be comfortable stepping out and doing this, but Lord, if I know that you spoke to me, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I don't care about me. I care about you, Lord, in your way. And so saying, yes, Lord, are we wanting to do what God, what is important to us? Are we really desirous to obey God's word? Are we praying for the people around our lives? Unlike Jonah, we need to be praying and having compassion about the people around our lives. We need to be looking to say, yes, Lord, whatever you call me to do, wherever you lead me to go, whatever you show me to do, I will do it. And we say, yes, Lord, that brings us to higher ground the higher ground of God's love, the higher ground of God's compassion, the higher ground of God's mercy. This is higher ground. Jonah never wanted to get up there to have that love and compassion and mercy for others. And God calls us, if we want to be like Christ, then we must have in our hearts a willingness to say, yes, Lord, I want the higher ground of love and compassion and mercy. I want the higher ground of saying, yes, Lord. Whatever it is you show me to do, I'll put my hands to it and do it.